0: Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast. I'm Catherine, Matt's here, David's here. We're here to do a podcast that's not quite a podcast, cryptic as that sounds. We're here to spend a few minutes telling you why we should win our various categories at the Sports Industry Podcast Awards. How are we going to do this,
1: David? (laughs) Let's just tell everybody how great it is. No, let's just... um... Let's go back in time to 10 years ago, Catherine, when it was you and me and my parents' dining room doing episode I hate one. doing
0: that. I hate going back to 10 years ago. I hate encouraging people to listen to the archive. I hate all of it. I know. So it's my, that's start, why I love it. We've started on the wrong foot. Um, don't do that, judges. <laughs> don't go back. Only listen to recent material where we're all far better broadcasters than we were 10 years ago. And 10 years ago, we didn't have Matt. No. Hello, Matt.
2: Hello. Yes, I was uh 15 10 years ago and definitely <laughs> definitely not broadcastable.
0: See so, so we've got the youth covered.
1: We've got we're, we're multi-generational here on the tennis podcast. Hold on. That's a dig at my age, isn't it? When we had we had no listeners 10 years ago. We had my parents. Yeah, and, parents. My, and mine in the next room.
0: Not many people knew how to download podcasts at that time, though, did they. We I mean the biggest battle other than having no listeners the genesis time of the tennis podcast was explaining to people what a podcast was mm. and how they could get hold of it and the fact that it was free and just there for, for you to access if you could only figure out the the magical keys
1: to do so. <laughs> we were f- trying to figure it out really for years, weren't we? The first six months I was convinced that we had to have an interview on every show because who on earth would want to listen to us just talking about tennis? You, Catherine, were mar- far more convinced that that was the sort of show that certainly you liked listening to, which was people having a conversation about something you were interested in. Turned out you were right.
0: <laughs> my favourite podcasts are... I mean, not that I never listen to interview podcasts, I do, but my favourite podcasts are where I feel like I'm in the room with friends who are better informed about a subject than I am. Mm. Um, and we can't all promise to, to always be better informed than all of our listeners at all times. We try, though. We watch enough tennis to to at least try and fulfil that brief. Um, Matt helps us a lot, Matt, oh. in that department.
1: And the rest. We we had a week the other <laughs> week without Matt on. Oh, my word, did we struggle. We How we managed about, what was it? We did f- six years before... Somebody handed Matt a microphone and said, right, Matt, what do you think about Karen Hatchinov? Um, (laughs) (laughs) And our lives changed for the better.
2: But that was the thing. I was confident in my understanding and knowledge of tennis. But what I quickly realized when you did hand me a microphone is that a podcast is so much more than just having a knowledge of a subject. It's actually about the sort of on-air chemistry. And you two had worked together for what more than 10 years probably at this point and I was quite aware and didn't really want to disrupt that chemistry that you had whereas
0: I was really up for Matt disrupting (laughs) that (laughs) someone come along and disrupt
1: it we'd probably had a bit of silence between Catherine and I in the period leading up to that because we we sometimes fall out ever so slightly not not majorly but Matt's well, called-
0: Matt sits. Matt sits on awkwardly. Yes, yeah.
1: I've witnessed some
2: some arguments on Zoom, in person, and WhatsApp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. We we've we've been on a journey, haven't we? I mean, not only of the last ten years, but over the last eighteen months. Of course, as everybody has, but our podcast journey has deviated quite considerably over the course of the pandemic, hasn't it? I mean, we we started a series called Tennis Relived in order to keep up the podcast with regularity during all lockdowns all periods where sport was on hiatus are we're shown such loyalty by our listeners we crowdfund the podcast and have done for a number of years and I think that model allows for you know the loyalty and commitment of our listeners really to to come across and you know I during that period I felt very reliant on my favorite podcasts and the familiarity of them um so i I think we all felt that we really wanted to provide that for our listeners. Um so we kept it up. We all did watch alongs of uh, matches from the past. Uh David's a big fan of the 90s. So <laughs> we did a lot of sort of living in the 90s which was which was great fun. And we managed to keep the podcast up more than weekly, didn't we? In fact, we in- we somehow managed to increase the frequency of our episodes. During a pandemic, during which tennis stopped.
1: Yeah, that that I think somebody had told me before the pandemic that that would happen. I would have thought it was going to be impossible. And even looking back on it, I slightly shudder at the at the concept, the idea of it, because when the pandemic came along, we'd been producing by then weekly for about three years and we'd also been producing daily at the Grand Slams for for three three or four years by then in fact longer than that five years I think we started doing them in 2016 daily at the Grand Slam tournaments and we get crowdfunded up front in 2020 and they'd put in 85,000 pounds which is an incredible sum and 1,500 more and more people had had done that. And suddenly we were in March left with no tennis to talk about no live tennis whatsoever. And that was scary because we would promised this product and we do not even entertain the idea of not delivering what we've promised. And so that's why we came up with tennis relived. We also offered a refund to everybody because they weren't going to get what we'd promised them. And one person took it up, and I think that that was the biggest compliment we've ever had.
0: Yeah, and we were able to be there when tennis did return, albeit in you know weird circumstances. It's been weird for a long time, hasn't it? I mean, a lot of sports been very weird, but I think the most recent US Open in New York was the first Grand Slam, first big tournament that didn't feel at all weird. In fact, if anything, it felt even better. I mean, part of that is, you know, we've now learned to to treasure the things that we missed, haven't we? But even taking aside sort of the pandemic bump of, you know, appreciating the things that were gone, it was okay, we're back now. Tennis is back. We're back. We're here to talk about it. Sort of a brilliant mix of uplifting stories, fabulous tennis, news angles. It was kind of everything we like to get our teeth into, wasn't it, Matt?
2: Yeah, and I think that's been the story of the last year, really. Tennis has been like a vehicle for us for so much more conversation. You know, yes, we get into nitty-gritty of forehands and backhands, but more often than not, we're actually talking about how a sport navigates and survives a pandemic and mental health issues in in sport and the role of the press. These are really big topics which seem to crop up so often in tennis, which, which we find ourselves covering. And yeah, I think that regularity and reliability that we've managed to maintain over the last year is important because tennis tennis is a hard sport to follow all year round it's look I could check my live score app now and there is a tennis match happening I guarantee you on a different continent in a different time zone it's difficult to follow and what that does is creates quite hardcore fans I think and we're here for them and then also tennis is lucky it gets four grand slams every year which transcend and bring in more casual fans and that's when we ramp up our production and go daily and i think we sort of we sort of catch those listeners as well so we've sort of hit on a formula over these last 12 months
0: yeah i mean we we do have guests we've had we've had incredible guests just this year we did a three-hour interview with Billie Jean King which had to be edited down um, in order to make it sort of podcast acceptable length and I tell you what editing out anything of what Billie Jean King has to say is the very definition of killing your darlings because just everything that, that comes out of her mouth is absolute dynamite. We've had all sorts of people contribute to the Tennis Relived series. You know, we we spoke to both Pat Rafter and Goran Ivanizovich talking about the two thousand and one Wimbledon final where Goran Ivanizovich won as a World Cup. We do, you know, we have these guests, but the core of the thing is us. And I think I think what comes across or I hope what comes across is that, that we love doing this as much as people love listening to it. It means as much to us as it does to our listeners. And I think I think that's why we have the relationship with them that we do, the listenership that we do. And, you know, it's a commitment. We do this a lot. We do it at a bare minimum once a week, every single week throughout the year. Tennis doesn't really do an off season. It doesn't really bother with one of those. So nor do we daily at the slams quite often at the sort of mid-level events we're twice weekly Um, we have a commitment to our listeners and they return that and we hope you've liked listening to this podcast that's not quite a podcast so for your consideration judges